Today, we are super excited to welcome back my ed therapist, Eric Hoffman, and CAP Educational Therapy Group's Katie Nolan. We thought it would be really fun to have a conversation about why we all left the classroom to become educational therapists and all the things that we love about that decision and how grateful we are for educational therapy and the life that it has given us and a job that we love. If you are interested in coaching, we are excited to announce that both Steph and I have a few spots available right now. We love working with educational therapists who are looking to leave the classroom or learning specialists who want to leap off into private practice and grow their businesses. It's one of our favorite things that we do that we don't often talk about on the podcast. So we just wanted to remind you that that is some of the best and most fun parts of our week. You can find out more about that on our individual websites, capedtherapy.com, myedtherapist.com, or on the Learn Smarter Podcast website, which is learnsmarterpodcast.com. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 202 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we have our faves back. Welcome back, guys. Welcome. We have Eric from My Ed Therapist and Katie from Cap Educational Therapy Group. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Repeats, fan favorites. And as Steph and I have been like planning out content for 2022, and we're on episode 202, which is crazy, but we wanted to address a frequently asked question that we get not as a educational therapy strategy question, but really like what brought you to hear a question. We hear a lot from other teachers or learning specialists who are thinking about leaving the classroom and becoming educational therapists. So we thought it would be really fun to hear everybody's journey into our field. And so Steph and I have sort of shared ours on the podcast overall, like episode zero, zero. Yeah. So you can scroll all the way back, but (laughs) as a brief reminder, I guess I'll share my story. This is Rachel. In case you thought I was Steph the whole time, this is actually Rachel. And my story was I was a classroom teacher. I was teaching preschool. And frankly, I wanted to make more money and have a little bit more financial security in my life. And I knew that I had sort of progressed professionally as much as I would have in my current position as a lead teacher in a preschool classroom, which by the way, it was a great stepping stone for ed therapy in a lot of ways because we really had to analyze tasks and really look at the child as a whole learner. And that was the way I was trained and mentored. I didn't know about educational therapy and I stumbled upon it on the CSUN website. Yeah, waited a year the CSUN website being Cal State Northridge, because at the time it was an in-person program and I lived far away from Northridge. I don't live as far away from Northridge now. And I was just really dreading that commute and hoping something else would spark me joy and spark my interest. But that's what brought me to graduate school. And then I met Steph. So Steph, how did you find Ed Therapy? So I was a classroom teacher as well. 
Then I was helping with homeschooling and the kids that I was raising, one of them had an educational therapist and I thought, I'm doing this already. I can do this. I had to wait a little while, a few years because of work schedules, but eventually went to CSUN and then here we are now. And Eric and Katie, I can't wait to hear your journey, but I think one of the things that is the biggest takeaway for me is that I would never go back into the classroom. Me either. That's what sort of like I constantly say and feel about our profession. And so I thought, okay, you guys hear from us all the time. Let's talk about other people that are in our practices, hearing their journey and their thoughts about it. So who's up? You can go ahead, Eric. Okay, I'll start. (laughs) So it's funny when I tell people about like my journey so far in education. I always like to think back to uh, my first job, which was definitely the best job I've ever had was to be a snowboard instructor. Mm. Except for being the clinic director of my ed therapist. Oh, of course that that as well. (laughs) Yeah. Clinic director doesn't come with a free season pass, unfortunately. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) I'm working on that for you for next year. Sounds good. Yeah. Amazing. I got this job working at a local mountain, which was really a hill back in Massachusetts when I was 15. Like my dad had to drive me to work for the first year or so. But that's really where I realized that I like working with kids and that kids like me and that we get along and this is fun. So I did that all through high school. And then even in college, we'd come back on winter break and get to work there for the month and hang out and, and have fun, basically. So That's kind of where I realized like, okay, teaching or working in education, working with kids is definitely something I want to do. I studied adolescent education and history in college and eventually made my way out to LA, studying at LMU, doing my master's in special education while also teaching full-time at a K through eight school. So I was the eighth grade teacher, taught sixth, seventh, eighth grade. It was great. I loved it. Worked with awesome teachers. I learned a ton too, because I got to act as like a specialist on campus. I got to coach sports. I got to lead student council and do all these great things. And it was awesome. But it was also like a ton of work and exhausting. And I think the biggest drawback to me was like the work-life balance just wasn't there. 50, 60 hours a week, Sundays, you spend all day planning and grading. It's just hard. You teachers out there are amazing, especially you special education teachers out there. It's Ridiculous. Especially in COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. And I can't believe the amount of work and effort and care that all of you put into that job. But for me, I started working for Stephanie part-time. It was like the side gig after I would teach, maybe like a couple hours a week. Did that for maybe half a school year about. And then eventually was talking with Stephanie and and asked if I could kind of come on and try this out more under like a full-time role, taking on more clients. It eventually has led to where I am here. And I have to say, like, my biggest fear doing this and not teaching was that I would lose the feeling of having an impact on so many kids' lives. And it turns out, although I'm not working with as many kids and as many families because it's one-on-one and because it's so in-depth and you spend so much time with these kids, you still get that same feeling of having that impact and that same satisfaction that comes along with the job of just working in education. And the work-life balance is better too. So I love it. Good. Katie. All right. I'm up. So yeah. So my journey with education 
wasn't necessarily like roundabout. I got diagnosed with ADHD as I was graduating high school and going off to college. And I went through like the assessment period. And I think that's probably where my love of assessment started. Cause I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is an amazing, you know, that it just told me so much about myself. But in college, I switched majors to psychology as my undergrad. I went to George Washington University and I was also nannying at the time. It was like nanny, nannying is the term it yeah, is. for these two and a half year old twins who I absolutely love and adore. They're like 11 years old now. And that's just crazy to me, <laughs> but their mom was a teacher and the way that she worked with them and that I'd get to see how she worked with the kids that I kind of started to like adapt some of that. And I thought that was really interesting. And so after I graduated from GW, I found LMU's program for special education as well. And it was a dual teaching credential program. So the idea was to get the teaching credential and the master's at the same time. It wasn't there at the same time as Eric. And I loved the program, but I quickly started to realize of just kind of some comments that were made during class about making recommendations for accommodations and that it was kind of off the book that you couldn't really make recommendations as a new person in a school that, you know, you had to wait until you had like tenure, just having more experience there so that they would listen to you, but also kind of seemed like we were discouraged from making recommendations for kids that would cost the district money. You know, and being an ADHD learner, you know, I kind of thought I tuned out and wasn't paying attention. So, you know, I raised my hands like, I'm sorry, like, I think I misheard that. You know, I heard like that we couldn't make recommendations. They're like, oh, no, that is what we said. And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, well, like, what am I doing then? Like, you know, I don't want all this bureaucratic red tape of, you know, having to jump through hoops for these kids. And then at the same time, they're telling you, you know, that you can have up to like 30 kids on your caseload and like working in the hallway. And so I kind of started to put the brakes on my teaching credential part. And I was working as an instructional aide at the time with an amazing teacher who I loved. And the thought of leaving her really just made me sad. So I didn't want to leave for that semester I had to do. So I forewent the teaching credential part. I took my CSET and everything. So I, and I passed that. I did that too. (laughs) So I had all that. The only thing I was missing was the being in the classroom experience part for it. And while working as an instructional aide, one day the learning specialist at the school came in looking for like the teacher and the teacher wasn't in there for something. I think it was maybe recess. And so I was like, oh, like, you know, are you here to talk about blah, 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 the name of like one of the kids. And she was like, yeah. And so I gave her kind of a rundown of what, you know, I'd been doing with the student. And she was like, wow, like, you know, you're really insightful. Like, have you ever heard of educational therapy? And I was like, no, you know, like, what's that? And she had also gone to Northridge's program and she was really the one that turns me on to it and really guided me through the whole process. And I was kind of like, this is exactly what I wanted to do that I felt like I could really be making a difference. And I was really excited. And so when I graduated from LMU with my master's, I then applied for CSUN's post-master's certificate program. So I just took on those supplemental classes to add to the educational therapy part of it. Mm -hmm. But it was something really exciting. And I was glad because I didn't want to feel like I had just wasted 
two years of a degree and of not knowing how I could help or where to help, or at least something that would be financially supportive. And then I came across Ed Therapy. And then I found Rachel because she had emailed a job like offering. And so I reached out to her about it and we met and she told me that she couldn't hire me at the time because she had just hired someone else from my class. (laughs) Yes. And so, and I said, you know, that's fine. Interesting choice. And then you had some feelings. I had some feelings about it. I was like, I don't know that that's the best match for you, but you know, (laughs) do you. And shortly after Rachel then reached out, she's like, actually, I do have like an opening. And she took me on and then I became a right-hand man, a little winged lady. hundred percent. Katie's been through every iteration, every change. I get so confused <laughs> on like policies. Like if anyone messes up on policies ever, it's me because we, you know, had like 15 changes. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm still working off 2017, you know, God forbid. <laughs> I do my best to keep up with them. And I think we've gotten better. We have gotten better. You definitely make me do like more like work stuff now, but <laughs> you know, such is life. Katie stepped in and allowed me to have the maternity leave that I really did want and protected me as did Seth. Which is great. And now you're back and now you're making me like do things again for you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Let's bring back to the topic of the day, which is why we left the classroom. And I want to sort of dig in a little bit more to something that Eric said that I totally agreed with, which is the impact that we think we are able to have. Can you guys speak a little bit more in depth on the bond that you're able to develop with the learner in Maya therapist or cap ed therapy group? and how you feel like your impact is still felt. So what's cool about being an educational therapist is you get to act as like the case carrier in a way, like you're the center of everything. So not only are you meeting with your students once or twice a week, you're also chatting with families on a regular basis. You're connecting with teachers and other professionals that the student might be working with. So you really get a sense of like who this kid is as a whole person. And then Like the one-on-one sessions are just really fun. Like I always like to start or at some point incorporate some type of game. So the kids kind of loosen up and they have a good time. And it's not like some students when they go to school, it's like, oh, like you're making me be here. Or even if they really like the teacher, sometimes they're just like, oh, I don't want to be in this class. And through ed therapy sessions, we're able to to always make it fun and make it a place that they want to be. Yeah. You played basketball yesterday. Yeah. Right. Play a little mini hoop basketball with a student yesterday. So It's that type of stuff that makes it really fun. And you might be like, why are you playing mini hoops with a high school kid? How is that helping him in school? Well, the point is, is that we're we're building a relationship, right? And we're building rapport and we both really love basketball. So it's a chance for us to connect. And then later on, he's more likely to open up about certain things, which then goes back to what Rachel was talking about, building that connection on like a much deeper level. It is a much deeper level. And when we get the chance to watch them grow up rather than having that one year stint with a kid. You know, I have a couple of students that I've been working with for several years and just watching them grow and seeing them change from being their eight-year-old self to their 13-year-old self now, for instance, and helping them grow and change over the years as to what they need to do for school and what's hard for them is also so rewarding 
that you don't get in the classroom. You just get the one year. And yeah, you can see them from afar, but this is a far different relationship. And one of the things that comes up when I talk to teachers or when we've been interviewing people, Rachel, and I think you can talk about this too, is that people are really afraid to leave the classroom. Yeah. And I think that was one of the reasons that we really wanted to talk to you guys because you both made that leap and it worked out for you. (laughs) I mean, as of today, it worked out for you. (laughs) I can't say tomorrow, but... By the way, guys, we're recording this, and today is the six-year anniversary of CapEd Therapy Group. Wow, congratulations. Oh, um, thank you. And the stuff, as we've talked about on the podcast before, was really instrumental in telling me I needed to leave. I needed to leave. I was really scared to leave for a lot of different reasons. The financial security of knowing how much money was going to be coming I'll just be really transparent. I made a lot more money the two weeks after leaving my preschool teaching job than I had in the two weeks prior and sort of having something stable to jump into or multiple things to jump into, you know, there were benefits, health insurance and those types of practical life things that was hard to walk away from. But, and this I think is to my credit, I don't know if this was a decision that I could have made any later in life, you know, now I have a son and a house and a family and things need to be more stable for our life, you know? And then another thing that I was really worried about was leaving my community. Yes. I absolutely loved the kids that I worked with and the families that I worked with teaching in the classroom, but it was really the other teachers that I was deeply connected to. And going into ancient history a little bit, my best friend was also teaching at the school and she was on maternity leave. And I was really miserable without her there every day. And so one of the things that I think is a fear for people is leaving that community and being alone. I have never felt alone working as an educational therapist. And I'm curious what everybody else would say about that. I would agree with that, that that was kind of always something that I considered in terms of, you know, not being around a community per se of people that you're interacting with, like on a daily basis. Like, yes, like Eric was saying, you know, that we check in with parents and talk with professionals, but it's, that's more like in a professional manner. So it's, you're not establishing that community that way. But I mean, Rachel's built up a team now, which is always still so, I feel like strange to me because I feel like it used We've built up a team, Katie. We've built up a team <laughs> that like they just keep popping up left and right. And I would just say like that I feel super connected with you, Rach, and I've loved working next door to you and being able to pop in in sessions when we were in person, you know, that you make that community. And maybe it's just I like smaller groups of people than many people, but I definitely feel like you kind of, you get a different sort of community. I agree. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I want to hear Eric's point of view because he was part of a community that he's not a part of anymore after leaving the classroom. What's your take on that? So that was one of the big fears with leaving. I had like three fears with leaving. One, as I said before, was the losing connection with kids. The other one was financial because as Rachel said, I was going to step into this world of like based off the number of clients, right? And like, if you don't have a certain number of clients or you don't do a certain number of hours a week, you don't make a certain amount of money. And so there was like, there was some fear to that losing the stability and then also community. 
I worked in a really small, tight knit school, which was amazing. I still actually hang out with my former principal and a couple of my coworkers. We used to call it the dream team because it was a sixth, seventh, and myself as the eighth grade teacher. And we worked so well together. So much fun. They're awesome. So I still get to see them, which is great. But it was a little scary being like, okay, like I'm going to lose these close friends that I used to see every single day and have been through a lot with. But I guess joining my ed therapist, I was surprised at the fact that I didn't feel like I was off on an island and off on my own. Of course, it's different, right? Where I don't have like my good friend working right next door to me all the time. But you just have to do your best to kind of make your own community and reach out to the people you're working with. And I don't know, I feel really lucky working with Steph. Like we get along really well. We're like-minded in a lot of ways too, which makes it really fun and I guess easy. It's so interesting. The thing that we hear so much about those fears and that all four of us have overcome those fears in when we took the leap because Rach and I had to also, and no part of me would ever go back. No. This is so much more desirable and like fulfilling for me. You know, and going back to the point of this episode, which is if this interests you, really think about here's four of us. We're not that unique in the fact that we left and we've gotten a lot out of leaving. And yeah, the fears are there, but we've gotten a lot more from leaving. And so there's so many rock star educators out there that could find that balance, like Eric was talking about that could have a little bit more of their own schedule and just doing it your own way in a way that works for you and for the kid. Rach and I will sit there and talk to teachers like constantly, have you thought about being an ed therapist? (laughs) (laughs) We want you to be where you're called to, but I will say that there's been a lot of interesting conversations over the years with a lot of different people about what this career could offer. And I think one of the things that I wanted to dig in a little more to is the flexibility of this. Mm -hmm. Steph and I were talking last week and I was like, I just really like the fact that there are times I can just like hang out with Elliot in bed in the morning Mm -hmm. and like not have to rush out the door. I can work and pop out and see him or go to a doctor's appointment when I need to. And that sort of flexibility. And that part to me is one of my favorite parts of this career, what would you guys say about sort of the flexibility that this job offers? For me, what's great is I get my mornings. So, cause I'm a morning person teaching. I used to get up and leave the house at like six thirty, six forty-five, And that was okay with me. I, I'm a morning person. I'm awake. So now I get up at the same time, but I get to just have my mornings. So if the surf is good, I'm definitely going to go for a surf. Oh, I get to have coffee and slowly check email and you're not rushing out the door every morning, which is really nice to kind of start your day off like that. Yeah. I think to you, in a way, you get to pick and choose your schedule, which is nice. So yes, things get shifted to the afternoons and some nights I'm seeing kids until like 8 p.m., but I'm also not seeing kids until three. So it gives you that morning to kind of get the day set up and it's just really nice and flexible. And that's not every night. Right, right. That's not every night. But like I said, you pick and choose your schedule. So I have a few days where like, that's the deal because I know it will free up other days for certain hours, which is really nice. Exactly. I agree with Eric and having that kind of balance of even though it may be 
later into the evenings that you get the mornings to kind of set up your day. And I wish I was as productive as Eric. I definitely do not wake up early at all. So to go surf, to go (laughs) surf, to honestly do anything. I'm a night person. (laughs) Yes. Stuff will respond to emails at night. So look out for that. If you get an email from her at like 10 3, she sent it to you the night before and she just put it at 10 3. Just so everybody knows. We pulled back the curtain on that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, you know, when you have the occasional student that, you know, either goes to an alternative school or is homeschooled. And so you can have them earlier in the day or for the older kids when they have like a free period and can possibly meet with you then of filling kind of little holes here and there. That's also a really nice balance to have. I love the balance. Well, this is another thing that we'll be talking further about on the podcast. If you're going to work for yourself, how to have boundaries around that. And um, because none of us work on the weekends. Yeah. Eric does. I do. What I do is I don't see clients on Fridays or Saturdays. And then Sunday is a work day for me. So I still give myself two days off. And I always... I loved that schedule. I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. For me personally, it's important to have one full day a week where there's like no work. So that's Saturday. I just don't look at emails, just take the day and have it to myself. And then Friday, because I don't see any students, it's a catch-up day. I can do some work whenever, which is great. And I can do errands and there's like no one else is doing errands on Fridays normally. So that's Right. Exactly. <laughs> Doctor's appointments, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I really like that schedule. For a few years, Steph and I worked Sunday through Thursday mm-hmm. and it really worked for us. We both really liked that schedule a lot. Yeah. But moving on. Things now. have changed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if there are educators and learning specialists at schools or ed therapists who have not yet taken the leap to either become an ed therapist or go into private practice, what would you guys say to them? You know, you're having kind of second thoughts or not necessarily doubts, but maybe feeling like you want something different or something more hands-on without the red tape of going on, at least look into educational therapy. I know before I did the program, I believe they had like an information night Mm -hmm. and they had former students come and the talk was about, you know, not being in the classroom, why you would want to be an educational therapist instead, or, you know, what the difference was. And so that kind of cemented it for me of like, oh, this is what I want to be doing. These are the tasks that i thought, you know, I would be able to be doing it in special education, but it wasn't going to work out that way. You know, it doesn't hurt to listen or to look into something. So I'd say definitely satisfy your curiosity. Ah, I like it. Eric, what would you say? Like Katie said, do a little research, reach out to maybe some other educational therapists around you, find out what they have to say. And then I started small. So I started with, I think, two kids a week. And kind of got the taste of it and then realized like, oh, this is great. This is what I want to do. I'm going to go for it from here. So maybe starting small too and finding out what it's like, just picking up a couple students a week could be a really good starting point. Yeah. And nothing is permanent. That's true. It's not all or nothing. Who knows what will happen in the future for any of us. But for right now, this is a career that's working that we love. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys are interested in chatting more, Steph and I are here. Go ahead and email us at Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. We're happy to talk to you if this is something that you're considering. But we're fans. (laughs) Yeah, we are. 
I think all four of us are fans, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for being here, you guys. Of course. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week.